And okay, it's going. Okay. For anyone who's in the back, I mean, we can hear you, but just make sure you project. Oh, yes, because we're recording. We are oh, asked to record this. Oh. And for people over there, you don't have to worry about it spiking out because that's really easy to fix. Right. Okay. Are you guys ready? Yes. 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 Okay, good. Right. All right, so first of all, I just want to tell, I want to thank everybody for letting me talk about this because it's something that is, of course, very close to my heart and um, a passion of mine. But I know that there are probably a lot of women in this room who don't think that it's going to apply to them at all. I mean, I know there's a very few of us in the room who are actually trying to get pregnant. So I appreciate the fact that you're letting me talk about it because, trust me, I'm going to try and make it applicable to everybody. Yes. So, here's, here's what we're going to do first. Um, we're going to, um, it's kind of my, my idea of an icebreaker. So when you enter the world of fertility, nowadays we don't have, um, it's, it doesn't have to be in person anymore. Uh, a lot of, there's like a lot of online forums and communities and stuff. So this is where you, that you go first for information. And because it's online, and because a lot of these are very young women, it's filled with all of these little acronyms, like two or three letter acronyms, okay? So when you first start reading stuff, these, here could be like two sentences, and every other word is a little acronym. And if you don't know what it is, then you're sitting there thinking, what are they saying? So I'm going to put some acronyms down the side, and we're going to see if you guys can figure out what they are, okay? <laughs> You have to say what they are, though, because uh, the people on the recording need to know. Uh, right. We will. We will go through them. Okay. It's been so long since I wrote on a whiteboard. Like a pro. I do it on like Friday. A pro. <laughs> the last time I did so was on Friday. <laughs> means that they take the sperm cells and they will inject them into the woman's uterus. 
and it's kind of like um, this this is to bypass several problems on um, on one or both sides. Uh, IVF means they take the sperm and the egg and they put them together outside the womb and then they put them in the uterus to try to implant it. So um, so we've got both of those. Those are the two medical ones. And IVF is something you probably see in a lot of forms. People are saying, you know, we're having problems, so we're going to go the IVF route, we're going to try IVF. IUI is pretty medical. You wouldn't, you wouldn't see that normally. Um, how about AIH or AIP? Okay. That one's another pretty medical one. Um, that stands for, I know it's confusing, but that actually does stand for artificial insemination by the husband or by a donor. And that, um, that I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Okay, so how about CF or CM? That stands um, for, right? Um, <laughs> is the CM cervical mucus? It is. It's cervical fluid or cervical mucus, which is um, it's one of the, the things that if you're trying to get pregnant, it's something that you kind of need to keep a track of, check on. Um, it's the fluids that our body uses to clean out this hole in our bodies. TTC? Trying to conceive. Trying to conceive. Very good. Yes. Um, obviously, if you're trying to get pregnant, people say, you know, you've been TTC for two years, and you know, it's like trying to conceive. All right. How about BD? It does not stand for birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Not the fertility world. Yeah. Okay. This is this is another. This is very slang. All right. This is internet slang. BD stands for baby dance, and that is sex with the intent to conceive. Oh. Yeah. Do the baby All right. two-week wait. Two-week wait, that's exactly right. Um, so in a woman's cycle, after she ovulates, it's almost always, in over 90% of women, there's exactly 14 days from ovulation to the start of your next period. So when you're trying to conceive, TTC, you, um, you have this, you, every single month you have this two-week wait because after you can't, you can't get pregnant until you ovulate. And then after you ovulate, it does take two weeks, at least two weeks, for the HCG hormones to build up so you could take a pregnancy test and have positive results. Mm -hmm. So, um, or your period will start. Mm -hmm. And that'll be the end of that. So yeah, you always have that 2WW. How about CD? CD stands for cycle day. Oh. So your cycle day one is when your period starts, around cycle day 14 to whatever is when you ovulate and so on and so forth. Most, uh, most apps, most algorithms, are um, built on a 28 cycle, a 28 day cycle. So um, most women have 28 cycle days. How about HPT? It's so funny. I don't even know how I learned this stuff, but I, I did. Anyways, <laughs> HPT stands for home pregnancy test. Um, and of course, everybody's like, on, on the forums, everybody's like, well, an HPT is one of the only ways you can find out if you're pregnant. Come on, you know, you have, you have to take an HPT. And if you take an HPT, you're hoping for a BFP. Positive or negative. That's right. Big fat positive. <laughs> big fat negative. <laughs> true story, true story. I don't know who came up with this, but this is true. This is, you know, and it's like, I, I took an HPT, BFN. Big fat negative. People are so disappointed, right? <laughs> I don't know who came up with it, but they did. Okay, um, IVF, we already mentioned, in vitro, and then OPK. And we got an OPK. 
OPK is right around, um, is very similar to HPT. It's an ovulation predictor kit. Um, it, it's uh, very similar to taking a home pregnancy test, except instead of telling you it's detecting HCG for pregnancy, it's detecting LH hormones to tell you if you're going to ovulate soon. Okay, so good, good, good show. Yes. Education already. Right? <laughs> so speaking of education, we're going we're gonna to go back to school for a little bit here. And we're going to talk about some biology. Um, I took biology, unlike I like to tease my husband that he didn't take biology. I know he did, <laughs> but they like to pretend that he didn't. Um, did he skip me anatomy? Yeah, yeah, okay. His choice. His choice. Uh, but yes, I, I took biology, but I find that my biology book did not give me as. Um, as detailed an explanation as I needed when I when I started, you know, well, to get trying to get pregnant. Did it need to at that age? No. See, no, it didn't. So, um, <laughs> so in, in, you do reach a point where you need to know, though. You do, right? Well, yeah. And sometimes, see, some people they don't ever have to because they tr start to try to get pregnant and it happens immediately. Morgan is uh, one of those people. It just it's immediate. You don't really need to know because it's just like you know the logistics and you know the basics and it just works. But for some people, that's not true. So, um, so here, here's a broad brush of how it works. All right. Now this is biology, and now we're just going to get a little bit, bit in depth here. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so here's, here's how it is. Um, so every month, your body produces an egg, right? Um, produces an egg, and when you're trying to get pregnant, you're storming the fortresses here with. 60 to close to 200 million sperm cells each time. Wow. You're trying to get pregnant. You think to yourself, with those numbers, really, how is it possible that some people cannot get pregnant? That's just, it's ridiculous. That's just an incredible amount. But um, the egg, on the, other, on the other side of the equation, the egg um, only lives for 24 hours. So with that, in mind, it's like, well, then, that in mind, how is it possible that anyone can get pregnant? 24 hours. I mean, it's like, if you have so many unplanned pregnancies, teen pregnancies, how are, how did they do that? I mean, how could they possibly time it? Some small window, 24 hours. Um, and the reason that the way it, it happens is because sperm cells can live inside of your body for five days, up to five days. Gross. <laughs> but, but true. So, um, so that means,
the production of egg. Some women don't even ovulate. They don't even produce an egg. And then there's problems with the sperm and the egg coming together. Maybe they don't come together. Or maybe they do, but then when they get to the uterus, they can't implant for some reason. And so there's like all these different problems inside the woman's body, and that can produce lots, lots of problems. So, so with all these um, this different timing, this is where um, natural contraception comes in, uh, which I was briefly going to mention. Is uh, it's all about timing. They say that the most um, sure form of contraception is uh, abstinence. Which is true. It's true. Okay. <laughs> the only the only sure form is is not doing anything, and um, that's kind of uh, that's where natural contraception is kind of built on, because what you have to do is you have to wait until you've ovulated, and then you have to wait you know twenty four at least twenty four hours after that, and then you can come back together, and um, you have the rest of the month. But here's the thing with that. Um, you can't really uh, do anything before you ovulate because of this five-day sperm life. Mm. So if you really want to make sure that you're not going to get pregnant, you can't be like, oh, well, I normally ovulate around day 14, so you know, we can come back together on day 9, it'll be fine, because that really could result in pregnancy. If you want to be really sure, you have to wait 24 hours after you ovulate. So um, how do you find out when you're ovulating would be the next question. With the prediction kit? You, you do need a prediction kit, <laughs> but um, you actually you actually kind of have to build a tripod. You can't just use one method. Um, if you do, it's, it's just prone to error, and that's where we have a lot of pregnancies that people didn't want. Um, so the way the, the tripod is built on an ovulation predictor kit, which is a kind of um, almost like a pool test strip. You know, you, it's for your urine, and it, it um, tracks the LH hormone in your body. Your LH will spike. 24 to 48 hours before you ovulate. So once you get a positive ovulation prediction, you know you're gonna ovulate between 24 to 48 hours later. Now here's the thing, if you have it, like let's say Tuesday morning, then 24 hours later is Wednesday morning, 48 hours later is Thursday morning, but then the egg can live for 24 hours. So you have to wait till like Friday morning, okay? So that, but you know, you don't wanna be safe. And um, so there's this, you, you test, you get those ovulation tests, and then you are keeping track of your cervical mucus, your cervical fluid, um, which it spans throughout your cycle. It spans from nothing to watery to egg whites to school glue, and so on and so forth. Ooh, Again, <laughs> but, but this is all, it's, it's all uh, to keep everything clean, and, and there's you know some of the most fertile and whatever, and you just have to wait till you get to like the next phase, and it's like you're not so fertile anymore, because all of that fluid is to help the sperm cells travel to where they're supposed to go. So um, if it's too thick or if it's too watery, well, it doesn't, the sperm cells can't move. They can't, they can't do anything. Or if it's too acidic, they die immediately and they don't even get inside your uterus. They just die in, the, um, in your cervix. Uh, okay, so you have to, the cervical fluid, you have to ovulation kit. And then the third one is your BBT, which was a, one of the uh, like things up here. <coughs> yes, your basal body, your basal body temperature, um, which is a thermometer. I, I borrowed one from a sister who shall remain unnamed. Um, and uh, that, that is a thermometer. looks like your normal thermometer, but it, uh, it, it uh, tests your temperature to the 100th degree, which is not a kind of very, very sensitive thermometer. Now, the thing about BBT is that you have to take it first thing in the morning. You open your eyes, and you stick your thermometer in your mouth without moving at all. And you wait for it to beep, and that is your base body temperature when your body 
is at its lowest for the entire day. Now, okay, so you have these three things, right? Now, just from a contraception point of view, but also if you're trying to conceive, I find apps to be an invaluable resource. <laughs> now that we are, you know, in 2015, we have a lot of technology at our disposal. So I use the app Ovia, O-V-I-A, free, um, and it just, and it'll ask you all those questions every single day, and you fill in your, your information, and it has some really high-tech algorithms which will help you, it'll build your little line graphs and your charts and stuff, and because if you're trying to track your temperature on paper or on an Excel chart or something, you're just, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to read it. I'll tell you, mine, I'm not going to draw with the marker, but but I can tell you, it's like, it zigzags up and down, and then it spikes, and then it drops. And then it goes up, and then it drops again. And it's like, and so what does that mean? And uh, and it's like, well, the temperature, your temperature is supposed to drop right before you ovulate, and then it's supposed to spike right after you ovulate. But really, can we tell? We cannot tell. So, but you, you tell the app, here's my temperature every day, and then you also tell it, here's what my cervical fluid looked like. And then you also say, and I took an ovulation test, and it was negative, or it was positive. Then it can put it all together and tell you, here is when you're your most fertile five-day window, and here is when you shouldn't have, if you're not trying to get right. So anyways, um, I also brought with me some of my ovulation tests, just so you guys can see. This is what they look like. You can buy them off of Amazon, 20 bucks for 50. Really not bad. Okay, so um, that covers uh, contraception, I think. Um, now what I wanna make sure everybody knows is that um, this may have been different in years past, but in these, in, in these times with studies and stuff, it has been shown that 70% um, of couples get pregnant within the first year of trying. So that's normal, 70%, that's a lot of, that's a lot of percentage. Um, for some people, it will be very quick. And for other people, it will not be. And, um, but if you get pregnant within your first year, you're normal. Um, and so I wish, I, I did not know that when we first started trying to get pregnant. And I wish somebody had told me that because I think I was looking at my family history and I was thinking it should be immediate, but that's not necessarily true. Um, it, you, really, you really should wait a full year of trying with no conception at all before you might start to get a little bit concerned. I mean, after like the first month or two, that's when I started to get concerned. Like, wait, why is this not happening? It's, I mean, my sister got pregnant immediately. Why, why can't I get pregnant immediately? And it's like, there's just, there's just so many circumstances and genetics and stuff going into it. You really shouldn't get concerned about it. You should never get concerned, really. But if you're gonna get concerned, at least wait a full year. 70% um, of, of couples conceive within their first year. A following 10% will conceive in the six months after that. So it took them 18 months. And then a following 10% will, it will take longer for them, but they will eventually conceive. And then the last 10% never conceive at all. Um, so it's, uh, we, we are in, we are in the 70%. We did conceive within our first year. We just didn't get to keep it. So, um, but the point, the, the, uh, the fact that my body can conceive a pregnancy, even if it can't hold on to it for very long, is that's a good thing. It shows that at least something is working and maybe your body just needs more time or whatever. Um, but here's something to keep in mind uh, if you are on this journey is um, studies have shown, and I like I liked this, this study, that um, this is just 
it's you're on this journey, but there is an end to it, okay? And there's three different endings to this story. It's not this interminably long thing and it will never end. There is an ending. One ending is you'll conceive your, your own children. Another ending is you'll choose to adopt children. And then the third ending is you will decide to live a life without children. Studies have shown that women at late in life, in their 70s or 80s, have been uh, polled. And all the women are equally happy at the end. It's not like they decided to adopt and that was some kind of a second choice. And now it's like, well, you know, I guess we have kids, but they're not really our own. And I don't really, it's, they're equally happy. They have children or they don't have children and they're, they're happy with that, um, that choice. And I, I think that's reassuring because if you're really um, caught up in, in every, all this stuff, then it's, it's hard to remember that it's going to end at some point. And it might be that you decide to live with no children, or it might be that you have children in some way, but there is an end to it. So, um, we have been trying to conceive for two years now, and um, we have conceived twice in two years, which is pretty good. Um, however, uh, we still want kids. And so that, um, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of emotions. This is a very emotional thing. And um, so I have a couple of tips for people who are going through this in particular. And if you are not, then you can, um, if this might be helpful for you to, to, who if you have friends or family members who are. Okay, so, um, yeah, I'm really not gonna write on this whiteboard much more, but, uh, but maybe, maybe later. Um, You'd like a little scribe, maybe we can have some. Oh, writing. yes. <laughs> Okay. Not not at this point, maybe a little later. Okay, so here, here, first of all, here's my my tips for somebody who is having trouble um, struggling with the conception. Uh, so I think you need an outlet. You you have to get this out in some way, um, and it doesn't have to be public. I mean, I'm I'm up here talking to all of you, and that's and in fact, it's a way that I'm getting this out. But it doesn't have to be that way. You could journal. Um, you could blog privately. You could blog you know, publicly, whatever. Uh, you could draw or whatever. Something that really helps me, and this is personal, I, I want to make sure everybody knows that everything I'm saying, except for the medical stuff, which is fact, is totally my personal opinion. And it that doesn't have to be true for everybody, but something that I find helps is spending a lot of time with my nieces. Because I have a lot of, of love inside my heart that I want to give to my child, but I don't have a child. But it's really, like, the next best thing is my sister's children. And so it's like, that's helpful to me to babysit them, to spend time with them, because it helps me, that's an outlet for this love. Mm -hmm. And another, another thing is I have a lot of, I have a desire to nurture things. I, 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 that is within me because we're trying to get pregnant. I want to have children that I can nurture. But since I don't have that, I started gardening. And it's mm -hmm. nurturing plants, seeing them grow. Mm -hmm. It helps me, that's, but it's just me. And maybe there, there are other ways, but that helped, that helps me. Throughout the entire last summer, I was helping, watching little plants grow, and it just couldn't be a better picture for you know children. It's like this living thing, and it depends on me to water it and feed it and stuff. And it, it was really it was really helpful. Obviously, you're not supposed to stress or worry. That's the enemy of everything. No stress, no worry. It's almost impossible. I married a worrier. <laughs> love him to pieces, <laughs> but you know it's like it's just so hard, you know, to not worry because um, 
you know, you feel like something should be happening. You feel like your life is going by and, and what aren't we supposed to be doing something bigger, greater with our lives and it's not there. But you shouldn't worry. Um, no stress, no worry. Definitely a bad idea. Almost impossible not to, but but don't do it. However, um, <laughs> it is, I, I like I like to say, it's okay to be sad. I, um, especially after our miscarriage, I was really, really sad. And that, I think it's okay. Um, I would say though, you don't want to be depressed and you don't want to be bitter. Bitterness is something um, I, I would say I, I've had to fight against. I'm not a naturally bitter person, but, um, but there's something that is so, this is so important to both Joshua and I, and it's just been, it felt like, I know, this is relative, it feels like a really long journey, but, um, but I, there's just, it's hard not to get bitter at God. It, it was hard to lose our baby and then immediately be surrounded by pregnancy. And mm-hmm. it was like, that's, it's okay. We're okay. I don't begrudge other women their pregnancies. I'm glad that it works for them. I don't want anybody to have to go through what we're going through. I don't want them to lose their babies. But it's, it was hard that it was, you know, to hear um, my friends and my family talk about their, their growing pregnancies and be like, well, I should have been however many weeks by now. It's like, no, I guess I shouldn't have been because I'm not. But, um, but I'll tell you a story about bitterness. Um, we decided at the end of the year, this past year, that we've been you know, riding this roller coaster for a really long time, <laughs> really long. And, um, and it, it, this past year especially, it just felt like we're starting to obsess, and that's also not a good idea. We're not supposed to stress, you're not supposed to obsess. And it was like, this has become the focus of everything. It's like, this is the most important thing. And without children, our lives feel meaningless and useless. And it's like that, okay, we need to take a step back. And we need to remember that we are valuable people. And we don't need kids and blah, 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 blah. Um, so we decided um, we would wait until the end of the cycle, which would happen sometime in January. And if I was pregnant, broke and we would be expecting a baby in September. And if I wasn't, then we are going to take the year off. And uh, this year, 2015. So uh, we went through our whole two WW. And, um, and at the end of the two-week wait, we you know, took a pregnancy test, and it was positive. And it was, it was a little faint, a little lighter than I like to see it. I've only seen one very, very positive pregnancy test in my entire life. This one was um, definitely not negative. I've seen enough of those. But this one was positive. And we were so over the moon. And it was like, it was almost like we had told God, you know, this is your last chance for a while. Obviously not, we're not going to be preventing pregnancy for a year, but um, it's like, this is the last time we're really going to put everything into it and time everything out. It's supposed to be time and stuff. Then we're going to take you And it's like God said, okay, here you go. Here's your pregnancy. Here's your baby. And so we thought, well, it's, it's a little faint. You know, we're still getting excited. And we started, you know, all kinds of revamping our year and our trip plans and how are we going to tell our families and and uh, the next morning we tested again, and it was a, it was still a little bit lighter than I like to see it, but it was um, still positive. And so we, we started to talk about, well, you know, you know, when when are we going to expect it, and what's um, all, all different kinds of plans. And that's I think the most fun when you're pregnant is making all these plans. And then the next day it was gone, and the pregnancy test was totally negative, totally negative, like it was like it had never been there. And I, it was hard, it was so hard not to get bitter at that because I was telling, I told God, it's like, I was okay. I was 
totally 50-50 when we made this plan. It was like, uh, we can be pregnant and we can have kids or not, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with both. I'm ready. I'm just ready to not think about this anymore. I'm ready for that sigh of relief and like, whatever, I'm not thinking about it anymore. And I don't care. I really don't care if, if we have a child or not. I, I know that it's, we've left it totally in God's hands and he'll, he'll just, he'll do what is best. But it's like, it was, it felt so cruel for him to give us a, a positive pregnancy test. And I say him because God is the only one that can give a positive pregnancy test. I know that for sure. Um, and it was, and he did. And we I got so excited. And it wasn't just one day, it was two days, two days in a row. And then nothing. And it was like, why did you do that? Why did you have to get our hopes up like that just to take it off? And it's, and it's gone. And I, I really had to fight against bitterness against that. It's like, it's like that wasn't fair. You, you didn't have to do that. You could have just made it negative all the entire time. I thought, and I would have been fine with that. I was ready for that. I was ready for it to be negative. And, and it wasn't, it was positive and then, and then negative. And it almost feels like now I'm all disappointed, you know, and now there's like, there was this loss, but there, it wasn't really anything to begin with. It, there is, it is possible to get a false positive, uh, very rare, but of course we got it. Um, Anyway, so I, I tell that story just to tell you that we've, that and then of course um, our miscarriage, it's, it's, hard, it's hard not to get bitter, but you can't get bitter because God always has our best interest in mind, whether we like it or not. I mean, it doesn't have to feel good, but we always know that it is for the best. My husband said to mention that alcohol is a great zap, <laughs> which uh, it, it is. Um, not too much. Um, and and he also said to mention that men do react differently to this, and women should not take that personally. Because uh, sometimes some men are real like total rocks, and they they like to look like they're really like being strong about this, and it shouldn't you shouldn't feel like they don't care. My husband is very sensitive, very emotional guy, so he definitely cares, and he makes it very obvious. And I like that because. It makes me feel better for being so emotional about it. And I'm not an emotional person, but he, because he is so comfortable being emotional and showing his emotions, it helps me be that way. But not every man is like that. But um, And recently, I, I was, um, not, not very recently, but somewhat, I, I was very upset. I was very emotional for really no reason at all. And it seemed like Joshua didn't care. And um, we had to have a little talk about it, but of course he cares. It's just He just shows it differently sometimes. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, another thing, I, I learned this through personal experience. And again, this is just my personal opinion. But I say, don't practice. I don't know what, what I was thinking. When we originally started to um, try to get pregnant, I decided, well, you know, we should, uh, I should get into the, the groove here. Let's practice, you know, what life would be like if I were to have children. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to take a nap in the afternoon and I'm going to make sure I get up super early because my kids will get up early and I won't, I won't uh, go on errands and stuff and, you know, during what would be nap times and, and I'll, you know, and, uh, don't do that. Enjoy your life for what it is right now because it's never going to be the same. And, um, and I see that, of course, with all the people around me who have children. It's like their lives do kind of revolve around their children and, it's, and we, Joshua and I, we get to sleep in on the weekends because we don't have kids. And we can enjoy that. And not everybody can. And it's like, well, don't take that away from yourself just because you want kids. Don't doesn't make any sense. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. Um, <laughs> um, we we read a book recently. Um, probably many of you have read uh, Garden of Emunah by Shlomo Rush. 
and uh, I think it's an awesome book, but you haven't finished it yet. But there is something he says in there that there is no tribulation without transgression. And uh, if you're in this uh, fertility journey, it definitely feels like tribulation. It feels like a trial. Um, and I, I just, I have to respectfully completely disagree with the rabbi. I, I think, I think it's a, a terrible mistake to try to look at your life every single month that goes by that you don't get pregnant and try to find what did I do wrong? Why is God punishing me with this? It's, I, I just, I completely disagree. And that's not always the case. I mean, I, Joshua and I had a long conversation about it at some point, and I said, well, I mean, look at the people in the Bible. The people in the Bible who had trouble having kids are some of the most righteous couples in the entire book. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm absolutely right about this. I just, I disagree with the premise, and I, I don't want to think that in my life. I don't want to, there's nothing wrong with looking at your life and trying to find the problems in it and trying to fix it, but I just, I think it's wrong to think that every, everything that happens, especially mm -hmm. these, these long, tough journeys, are some kind of a punishment from God because you did something wrong. It's not your fault, and it never is. And um, I remember, uh, that's, that's especially true with miscarriage. I think that uh, miscarriage is so painful, and so sometimes so unexpected, it was very unexpected for us, that it's, it's hard, it's, and you immediately start thinking like, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Did I drink something I shouldn't have drunk? Did I did I eat something? Did I exercise too hard? Did I, you know, did I not get enough sleep? Or did I, what you know, whatever it was. Or did I sin in some way? You know, and God's punishing me by taking away my baby. And I remember when it happened for us, uh, Joshua called his family immediately, and I called my family immediately. And I got my dad on the phone, and so I told him, Daddy, I, I, you know, we, just, we just lost our baby. And the first thing he said was, it's not your fault. And at the time, I, I, I thought, you know, that's very sweet, thank you. Um, that, and I didn't think I needed to hear that. But uh, as the rest of the evening went on, I realized that is exactly what I needed to hear. Because that's, that's immediately where your mind goes. Why did this happen? Why, what did I do wrong? And it's, it's not your fault. It, I mean, we, I've been tracking everything for months. We do everything right. And we're not pregnant. And so it's like, that doesn't work. Only God can give you a baby. And if that's true, then only God can take it away. Mm -hmm. Women do stupid things. Women get drunk all the time. They chain smoke. And their babies are totally fine. Their pregnancies are fine. Their, their baby may be a little bit, um, have some, some brain problems, but it didn't kill it. It didn't take it away. It didn't cause them to miscarry. And there's really nothing you can do. It's God's choice to take it or to leave it. So, oh, I think that's really important to... Uh, to keep in mind. Okay, so if you are, you get to the end of those first 12 months, or possibly 18, if we're just going to be, you know, leave everything up in the air, uh, and you still have not conceived, then I, my suggestion is to start with what is easiest and cheapest. No need to go right to the doctors. The doctors are very expensive. Thousands and thousands of dollars. So, um, everybody says that your diet your sleep patterns and exercise are things that highly affect your fertility. So, I'd start there. Those are like practically free. We gotta eat, we gotta sleep, and just, you know, let's let's walk around a little bit more, right? Um, <laughs> 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 it could be more than that, I don't know. 
Uh, but they, they do say, like, you can find anywhere, you can find on the internet anything you want to find. But a lot of people seem to agree that caffeine will affect your fertility negatively. So, like, if you're serious about this, you know, maybe get off your, your coffee in the morning. Or maybe just have it once a week or something like that. Just see if that makes a difference. Um, people say alcohol also affects it. Um, although, some people say a glass of wine every day helps it, makes it better. Whatever. And, um, and some people say that convenience foods, because they have a lot of um, hormones and stuff in them, are you know, that will negatively affect you because it'll make you off balance. These are just things that you can easily find on the internet and it's like, well, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But the point is, if you're really serious about pregnancy and you really want to get pregnant, it's like, well, why wouldn't you just try it? You know, that's, it doesn't cost anything to try that. Um, and then I would recommend, remember that this is a very, very long, slow journey. You can't do something for a couple of weeks and say, well, that didn't work. You have to do it for months. You have to go through cycle after cycle as your body um, regulates and rebalances and stuff. And then, maybe after six months, you can say, well, that didn't work. Um, so, that, so then, after you know, changing those easy things, then I would say start tracking. Or maybe at the same time, if you wanted to. I, I really do like it, having it on an app. It's so easy. It's right there next to my bed. Um, tracking everything that you want to track. Now the thing is that uh, for us, once, I mean, this can get really, I, I'm a numbers person, so you can get like sucked right into this. It's like charts and graphs and numbers and, and I just, I don't know, I kind of love it. Um, <laughs> but, but it's like, you definitely don't want it, that to suck the romance out of your life. You know, it's, you, you shouldn't only be doing stuff because your app says that you should. It's, um, you, you, you should you know, do what you want to do. But it's very helpful to track things. I, um, when we first got married, I had a very irregular cycle. So once I started tracking my ovulation, I realized that some weeks, uh, some months, I, I can ovulate as early as like day 12 or day 13. So that's very early. And so if you were, um, if you're keeping family purity laws, then you might miss that completely because you've waited too long. And, uh, Sometimes I don't ovulate till like day 22. And that's a very, very long. And so if you were focusing all your energy around day 14 because that's when it's supposed to happen, you totally missed it. Those guys are way dead by the time you get to day 22. And medically, so, that's what most people say, right? That yes. It's around day yes, 14 day that 14. everybody starts. Because they're expecting it's a, day, it's a 28 day cycle. I never have had a, day, a 28 day cycle. So it's, it's very helpful just to kind of get a feel for, for where your body is because um, everybody is different, especially if you have an irregular cycle like that. It's, it's just good to know when things are happening. Um, and then, after, of course, after all that, then there's also the medical route. So um, we decided to go, to go to the doctors and just have some initial tests run and just see what's going on. Is anything out of balance? Is, is there a problem? And I, I just have... Uh, just one caution on that is that you just need to be careful to guard against what may happen from that. Uh, it's very possible that the doctors will do their tests and say, we don't see anything wrong, totally normal, everything should work great. And it's like, well, that's good news. So, you know, go home and let's just keep, keep going, keep trying. But it's also very possible that the doctor will say, you're the problem. He's fine, but you're the problem. Or even worse, really, is, well, yeah, he, he's the problem. He's probably never going to be able to have kids. You're fine, but he, he's the problem. 
because that opens the door to blame. Mm -hmm. And then you start looking at, it's your fault that we can't have kids. And it's like, that's not true at all. I mean, look at, again, look at the Bible. I mean, these, these women are barren, or they're so old, and things about, it's like, God can do anything. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's ridiculous what God can do. And so don't, you just, only God can make a baby. Only God can give you a pregnancy. It's not anybody's fault. It it can, it can be um, bad news on both sides, and there can still be a, uh, there can still be an answer. I will say, uh, I wanted to mention that Cindy Garner has an ebook available for free on her website that is uh, about fertility and using essential oils to to promote fertility. And it's this whole you know regimen with different oils. Uh, essential oils are not exactly cheap, but um, I can tell you right now that they're oh, they can be a lot less expensive than doing some medical stuff. Um, some of those procedures are exceptionally expensive. So essential oils, um, I, I like to go a more natural route first, and then I have no problem going to a normal doctor and getting some tests done or you know, injecting all kinds of stuff because it's like, well, yeah, I'm willing to do that if that's what it takes. But I prefer to go the, the, a more natural route first just because I feel like that's uh, cheaper and maybe better for my body. What's Cindy Garner's website? I think it's thoughtsfromthefrontporch.com. Let me double check. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Thoughtsfromthefrontporch.com. Okay, so here is where we're going to apply this to everybody. And that is, you probably all know somebody, a friend or a family member, who is going, is going through this, has trouble, has issues, whatever. So here are some things that you can do for them, with them, to them, right? Okay, number one thing, I've got to say this to all the parents in the room, do not complain about your children to somebody who wants children and doesn't have them. That's, it's like, I can almost guarantee you, uh, especially the longer, however many years they've tried, the only thing they're thinking is, boy, would I love to have your problems. And that's, so complaining about, you know, your children got you up early, or they're, you know, having a tantrum, or they pooped three times, it's like, you know what? I would take that off your hands, no problem. I, I know kids are not a walk in the park, um, but I still, I still would want them. And there's that too. But no, this is, um, that is her, she doesn't look like shaving, but it, it links to thoughts on the front porch. I think that's a title of the side, but this okay. is the essential, not essential, it's essential, essential like scent. Yes, essential life, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, her, her ebook is, she didn't write it, but it is available for free. And I looked through it. Reminds me why. Very yeah. cool. It's pretty good. Yes. Um, okay, and the second thing, so okay, I'm gonna write these ones down so that you guys can see, because this is actually something I like. Okay, so don't complain, all right, about your kids. We don't want to hear it. You should probably shouldn't complain about your kids to anyone, but especially not to people who want to have kids. Okay, another one I have on my list is don't take your fertility for granted. Um, because, I'll tell you this, there are two different kinds of fertility, uh, of fertility problems. There is primary infertility and there's secondary infertility. Primary infertility means that you have never been able to even conceive. Secondary infertility means that you were able to conceive and possibly deliver children. So uh, secondary infertility is like, in my case, I have secondary infertility because I can obviously conceive, but haven't had children yet. Um, and then we also see in the Bible, Leah 
has secondary fertility. It says she has a bunch of kids, four or five, and then it says, and then she stopped there. She has secondary fertility because for some reason, things just stopped. So it's don't take it for granted that you've had a bunch of kids in a row because it could just stop for no reason. And that's, I think, a little bit more horrifying because you thought everything worked and now it doesn't for whatever reason. Okay, so don't take that for granted. Uh, another one I have on my list is don't treat us like glass. I, that might just be me, but I don't, I don't want people to feel like I can break. I, I, might, I might break, but it's not your fault if I do. Um, I, going through something like this makes you stronger and you do need to be strong, but uh, you don't need to assume, assume the worst about me. You don't need to assume that I will be upset that you're pregnant. I might not be, I might be really happy for you. I should be really happy for you. I might still be sad, it's okay to be sad, but, um, but it's not your fault that you're pregnant and I'm not. So don't, don't treat me like I'm gonna shatter under that news. Don't, I hate it when people like, you know, are whispering behind me and then it's like, oh, what's going on? Cringe, so-and-so is pregnant. And it's like, that's great news, okay? <laughs> so don't treat, don't treat us like last. Now, uh, this, um, you can tell me that I'm not alone. If you had a similar journey, or if you've had, like when I had my miscarriage, a bunch of different women told me their stories and stuff like that, that's happened to me. I, I like to hear other people's stories, especially if they're success stories, that's cool. Um, it's, it's okay, I, I mean, maybe some women want to be, think that they're unique in that situation, but they're not, okay? This is actually quite common. Fragility problems are common miscarriages, especially in the first trimester, are very common. Uh, that doesn't mean they're okay, that doesn't mean they're any less sad than they are. But you can, you can tell a person your story because that's nice. Okay, so here's one. How about don't say, and you guys can help me on this one, okay? What are things you shouldn't say to somebody who is trying to get pregnant, doesn't have any kids, or just had a miscarriage? Did you take your prenatals? Oh, my word, thank you. <laughs> Did you take your prenatals? Again, don't blame it on me. <laughs> because whether I took my prenatals or not, it's not my fault, okay? Plenty of pregnancies survive without the prenatals. It's a good idea to take your prenatals, but you don't have to, and it's not the person's fault. It doesn't matter what they ate, what they did, don't blame it on them. Now, I, okay, let me just say, real quick, I went through a miscarriage, and of course, Adria has also had an experience with that, and this, these were just recently, right? I, uh, it's all, that was a very emotional time. It's all kind of muddled in my mind, what everybody said and did. Whatever goes up on this list, and if I say something harsh about it, and you remember that you said that to me, or that you said that to Adria, Put it completely out of your mind. Nobody is mad at you. But um, but for the, for the next time, God forbid, this happens, you just know that we are very emotional and shattered at a time like that. And we, we twist things. Mm -hmm. Okay, did you take your prenatals? It's a fine question, especially for somebody who's pregnant. Are you taking your prenatals? Mm -hmm. Great, no problem. 
But when somebody has just experienced that loss and you ask a question like that, it is, it feels like blame. It feels like you're saying, well, if you had, you wouldn't have lost your baby. It's your fault. And that's not true. I know that some of you, some of you may have asked this very question and you didn't, of course you didn't mean it like that. But we are just, we're in a very, it's, it's just, we're in a sad state. So we will twist things, our mind will twist things and they will hurt us even if you didn't intend to do that. So you just, you just have to watch out for that, okay? How about? Yeah, yeah I have one. Oh, yep. You'll have a baby really soon. I just <laughs> know it. You'll have a baby soon, yes. I have on my list, um, <laughs> your turn will come. It's like, first of all, you don't know that. And second of all, you don't know that. And <laughs> it's like, I, I don't, first of all, don't, you know, when you're, when you're talking to somebody who wants to have a baby, that might feel like a really comforting thing to say, but my, my, personally, I'm just thinking you don't know that. And if you're saying that to somebody right after miscarriage, you'll have another one. That is a terrible thing to say, terrible thing. Nobody wants another one. We wanted the one that we had. So it's like it's like telling Morgan if she were to lose her baby, God forbid, you you will have another one. It's like she has other ones. That's not the point. The point is she wanted that one. So don't tell me I'll have another one or that it will my turn soon because you don't know that. And it's not very comforting. Again, remember that we just emotionally twist these things and we know that we don't mean it that way. How about somebody who's trying to get pregnant? Are you pregnant? Okay. Let's never ask that ever. You're not ever supposed to say that to any woman, right? Never say that to any woman, ever. Especially not if they're trying to get pregnant. It's like, thank you for reminding me that I'm not. Yes. Okay. How about, did anybody have more? Um, there may have been something wrong, so it's good that it ended like that. Oh, uh, yes, it's good that it ended. Oh, terrible thing to say. It's good that it ended. Oh, or probably phrased more sensitively, but the same idea. The same idea. See, guess that's the thing. Okay, in the end, when a miscarriage happens, it is good that it ended. It's hard to think of it that way, but God does everything for our good. So it is, in some twisted way, good. But you can't say that. Okay, the woman the woman who is going through this needs to come to that herself, needs to, to talk to God about it, needs to realize that God is doing this for her good, but she does not need you to tell her. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing that it ended. Maybe your baby was really sick, and it, it's just better that it, it didn't go. It's like, no, 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 no. No, 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 thank you, but no. Um, okay, I also have, it's silly to worry. Okay, I don't like to be told that I'm silly. <laughs> it might be true. It is silly to worry. All right, and I, I want to make sure I said all of these may be actually true. It is silly to worry. Don't worry. It's it's silly to stress. It's not a good thing. It makes it even harder. But don't tell me that it's silly to worry. It just I don't I don't even know another way to explain it. It just it's not nice. It's not nice. I'll tell you what is nice, especially for somebody who's had a miscarriage. We, we, uh, are we done with this one? No. Is I'm so sorry. I don't know what to say. That's what you say. And because guess what? That is actually the truth. You are sorry that this happened, and you don't know what to say because hugs. Hugs. Hugs.
And, and chocolate. <laughs> but not too much because you're sitting there doing nothing. Um, and don't, oh, you can, you can tell them uh, you're, you're not alone. Here, here's my, here's what I went through. But, um, but not, I know exactly how you feel. Right, right? don't say I, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly how you feel. Because, you know, you know kind of what I feel like. But you don't know exactly how I feel. Am I being a little bit too literal for you guys? Oh, this is good. Because I'm telling you that I, I'm just telling you that grief just makes things, we hear things differently. So you say, oh, don't worry, sweetie, I know exactly how you feel. It's like, no, you do not. <laughs> Especially if somebody saying, somebody who has kids but has also had a miscarriage tells you after your miscarriage, oh, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah, I had a miscarriage. It's like, you don't know exactly how I feel because you have children. Okay, so it's like, I, I had a miscarriage and I don't have any kids. That's not the same thing. Okay, does anybody have any more things that you should not say? Don't say. Let's hear it. We'll, we'll that was, I don't know if it's too on that list, but I, the one I just heard recently someone say um, was to someone who's trying is, um, it'll happen when you stop trying, when you stop thinking about it. No. no. Which is, could be really frustrating to someone who's trying to get pregnant because yeah. Um, maybe they're not using a million apps and you know going to doctors and all that and getting tests, but you know, just to hear, oh, as soon as you stop trying, it'll happen. What? Got to turn everything off here and, and try? So right. that is, yeah, that is. I think it is true. It's probably true. But it can When someone says that to you, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's not been said to me, but I heard someone say that, and I was like, I don't know if that's the nicest thing. It's not the nicest thing because I, I put it under the same category as this one. You'll have a bit. It's like, yeah, don't you right, predict yeah. the future. You don't know that that's true. And. Um, and worse is some people have stopped trying and they still don't have any right. children. So mm -hmm. it's like that's not necessarily true, although it is true for a lot of people. Um, how about um, how soon are you going to try again? How mm -hmm. soon are you going to try again? Just a bad question. Personal bubble. Maybe just a little personal. <laughs> what about some good, another good positive things to say? Because I'm getting all nervous now. Now here's the thing. Okay, I'm praying me, for you. Is always I'm, pray, I'm praying for you is a great one. Yes, but Actually, the point is not to say a lot because we yeah. start battling all over ourselves, yeah. and then we get our foot in our mouth. That's true. Mm -hmm. Actually, um, I heard a, a good teaching on the book of Job once, and obviously Job suffered tremendously in many areas of his life, and um, when everything kind of went downhill, he lost his farm, his kids, everything fell apart in his health, and um, his friends came and sat with him for a night, and they mourned with him. They took off his sack, they mourned his sackcloth and ashes, and the rest of the book is them trying to explain why he did it, you know, why it was a problem, but if they would have just stopped there, sackcloth, this teaching said, then that would have been enough. So I think that's right. probably what you're saying. That the is so true. Okay, let me tell you another story. Okay, actually, it's it's another thing that you, you can and should do. All right, now we... Uh, you the, the, it boils down. The long short of it is: be a friend in good times and in bad. Mm -hmm. Right now, Joshua and I and Jacane pretty regularly. We have people at our house. We have parties. We have people for Shabbat. We we have people over. We love having people over. People are uh, I've found more than happy to come to your house for dinner. More than happy to come to your party. Uh, that doesn't mean they're friends. 
I have people in my house I don't even like. It's that doesn't mean they're friends. What a person is. Truth. Sounded very northern, didn't it? Oh, we don't. Some people know what you like. Everybody. Okay. Anyways, so a friend is somebody who is with you in the bad times as well. So here's some personal experience. We ha we had our miscarriage, and it was announced the the next day at the community shabbat. So everybody heard about it. Now I want to make sure you know that I'm saying I'm not saying that anybody did anything wrong, but when you act on that bad news, you prove that you are a friend. So people sent me notes. People came and sat with my, at my house. People came and did my dishes. People came and brought me meals. Those are friends. And if you count yourself a friend as somebody who's going through a hard time, if you think you would describe yourself as their friend, close friend, or just, you know, just, just a friend, maybe an, even an acquaintance, you have a responsibility to act during the bad times. You cannot, you do not have a choice. You have to do this. This is my personal opinion. I'm going to speak very passionately on it. You don't have to take this as a right or wrong. This is just how I feel. You have to act on it because otherwise you have, you have put yourself outside that friend circle because friends are there for you in the bad times as well. So I had a, a very close, um, somebody very close to me who did not do anything. Mm didn't say anything, didn't send me a card, didn't send me an email or a text, didn't call me, didn't come to my house. And it hurt me so much that they didn't do that because they have a responsibility. They were in my close circle. They had to do something. And you, it might just be showing up and not saying anything because that's not part of what's going Okay. But just being there, that means some, means something. Just sending a text message that says, I, I just, I'm, I'm so sorry. I just that's all I needed. I just needed to know that you care. And it does, you don't have to go out, you don't have to bring me a huge full-blown meal and you know come start vacuuming or whatever. That's okay, I don't need that. I just need to know that you care. You have to say or do something if you are a family member or a close friend, have to. You have a responsibility to do that. And if you don't, you are hurting the person during the time when they're already in pain. Okay, now, if you consider yourself more on a friend, uh, fringe, a fringe of the friends, and you're not sure, maybe you, maybe you would say you're friends, or maybe you would just say you're, you know, kind of acquaintances, you know the person, then you have an option. Um, I have never been very close with Adria. She lives a long way from me, and I don't see her very often. But when something bad happens in somebody's life, you have the opportunity to prove that you would like to be considered a friend. And so if you send her a note or you send her a text message or you bring her a meal or something, that's saying, hey, I heard that you had, you, you've had some sorrow, you're in pain, and I care. Now, we had friends do that, friends who were kind of new, we didn't know them very well, and they drove all the way down and brought us a meal. It meant the world to me. And before that, I don't know if I would have said we were friends. I would have been like, well, I know them, but uh, I mean, are they friends? I don't know. And they, they did that, and immediately it was like, oh, they're friends. They're friends because they care about me. And they care about times when it's, nobody likes to go to somebody who's in pain and in emotional distress like that. Awesome. It is. We don't know what to say. And uh, I don't know what to say. It's a great thing to say. <laughs> um, more, more, it's very likely that you won't offend anybody if, if you say that. But, um, but it's the actions. If you 
um, if you want to be considered a friend, you you do what a friend would do. It's just that simple. Um, and also, in our community, it seems like, you know, it seems like maybe that's the right thing to do. You know, it's a mitzvah, care for the sick, the girl Colleen, uh, visit them or whatever. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to say that. It's, it's like, I don't want this to be a right or a wrong. I think it's just a choice. It, you don't have a choice if you're close enough to the person. You have to do what needs to be done. But if you're on the fringe, you have a choice and you can choose to put yourself outside the friend circle or put yourself inside the friend circle. And trust me, it means the world when somebody who you didn't expect did, does something like that for you. Um, so I, I would say that. And then, um, I have just one more thing. Oh, okay, this is, I don't know. I just really don't want to offend anybody in this room. So I'm gonna skip that next thing I was gonna say. <laughs> no offending. And, uh, and the last thing I'm gonna say is that um, you, it's, it's good to tell people that you are praying for them, but let's actually pray for them, okay? That's something to do. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do but do pray for them. Um, it pray for somebody to receive peace and comfort and healing after a miscarriage, but also it's nice to pray for people who are who want to get pregnant. For two years, you know, every day aside from Shabbat, Joshua and I have been praying the prayer to be blessed with a child. Now, the thing I love about this prayer, kind of love, is that it's it follows the um, the common thought in Judaism, which is. If you really want something for yourself, you pray for it for other people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of this practice in unselfishness. Okay, so they, we know of a couple of people um, in our friends, family, community who want to get pregnant and have not gotten pregnant yet. So whenever we pray this prayer, we are thinking of them. But at the same time, of course, we're hoping that God will also bless us with children as well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this prayer. So before I pray, is there, is there any questions or any other comments that we want to make before I close it with this prayer? If, I, um, if you have like a whole bunch of fertility ideas or links or stuff, should you, is there a time you should tell them about that? Like Definitely not right after a miscarriage. Not right after a miscarriage. Uh, like, oh, this, you should have tried um, this and this and this. Well, never, okay, never say that. Right. You should try this, this, and this. No, 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 no. Nice, tactful way might be to compile these ideas or links and then just send them over in a little email. Hey, I saw these and I'm thinking of you. Like a month after? <laughs> um, Two months after? Well, it takes the body a while to heal from a miscarriage. So, it's, um, so if the person has had a miscarriage, I would wait. I would wait until, this has to be a friend we're talking about. I mean, we're not talking All about right. somebody out of your circle. So I would wait until your friend starts to talk about trying to get pregnant again. Because uh, some people are like, it took my body uh, a couple of weeks. And, but some people that you're, I mean, and obviously I haven't conceived since then. So it's like, well, my body might not be ready to do that yet. It could take, it, between our, our first miscarriage and our second miscarriage, it was a full year. It might take a full year. But we are trying. We are actively trying to get pregnant again. So we, we're talking about it again. We've shared that with people. So it's like, yeah, at this point, sure, you could send you could send over ideas like that. Uh, that's how I heard about Mrs. Garner's ebook available on her website. She shared that with me. Hey, I have this. You should mention it at your class. Great, I did. But uh, but everyone kind of wants to help in some way. Right. And, and if they are the type that have information, I certainly. But I, I definitely did. would not ever say, oh, you should try such and such. 
You should try right, two ways. It's like, <laughs> I just say, don't, I wouldn't say it like that because that's like you're infringing on my private. You're saying, like, you know, I probably picked this up from my husband. He's a should person. We don't ever say should because that implies there's like a right and wrong to it. I should do it if I don't, I'm wrong. Right. This is a Joshua thing. Anyways, <laughs> so I, I would just I would just say it more like, I saw this and I thought of it. You could. Like you could. But if you want to, you can get off your feet for the next year. If you want to. But don't tell me, oh, you should get off the feet. It's like, I've heard that's really good. And it's like, okay, I will if I want to. I might consider getting off caffeine for the year and think, Oh, thank you. Uh, or, or whatever. But I, I would just, I would be very uh, tactful, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't present it as like a sure, surefire. You know, this will, this will work. Right. You do this, right. you don't know that. <laughs> Probably not. I don't use essential oils, but I've read recently that several ladies that use them daily, drinking them, they've had esophagus burns. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would just encourage people to be careful of yes. consuming them. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them should only be used topically. Read the instructions. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's like people think essential oils are like, well, they're just herbs or whatever, and it's, it's like, I think people think, yeah, we'll pour them into water or you know, take them up. There are actually a couple of essential oils that are not safe to be used when pregnant. And uh, if you didn't read the instructions, you'd be slathering this all over yourself, and I don't know what it will do. I would never say that it might cause miscarriage because we know that there's really nothing you can do. But uh, but you know, let's not be stupid. Let's follow the instructions. Uh, okay, good call. Is there anything else? Great. Okay, so I'm going to close with this prayer, which uh, which is one of my favorites, and we've been praying it for a very long time. Our Father, our merciful Father, hearken to our prayers and give heed to our cries. Let all childless women be remembered for the good, swiftly, easily, and with speed, to give birth through their compassion to living and thriving children. May your people Israel multiply like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. Just as your compassion was mighty over our first forefather, Abraham was but one, along with his wife Sarah, whom you remembered for the good. You remembered them in their old age and gave them Isaac, and he promised to multiply his offspring like the stars in the heavens. So too may your insides moan and your compassion be aroused for all the childless women of your people, the house of Israel, whose eyes are set on you alone, that you grant them viable offspring for your service and your reverence. Have compassion upon them for your sake, and remember them for good, and fulfill their requests with compassion. Allow yourself to be entreated by them, hear their prayer, and swiftly, easily, and speedily grant them to become pregnant. May they have the privilege of delivering viable offspring whose fathers and mothers delight in them, and may they merit to raise them for Torah, the bridal canopy, and for good deeds, for length of days, and good years. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, after I, I told that story, I wanted to let you know that I have a ton of ovulation kits and pregnancy tests and stuff that you are welcome to if you're at all interested in having them. You can just take a couple if you want to. You can't take the thermometer in the bag, it doesn't belong to me, but you can take any of these if you're just if you're just interested. But you're not using them for this year, so you are welcome to them. The purple ones are pregnancy tests and the blue ones are over the kit. So feel free to help yourself to those. Alright? Thank, 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 thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for like the research and sharing with us and that is Really, it's so helpful. I thought all the information was so helpful. Mm -hmm. and I think everyone here Absolutely. really appreciates your openness. Yeah. 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 I agree. Thank you. Very yes. Thank you. Well, um, to kind of, I think it was very applicable. 
Um, and we, we all know someone who um, at some time would need that little bit of sunshine or cheering up. So thank you for the very practical things to say or not to. Um, and I've put together a little sunshine basket. So, so this will go home with someone today. My idea was, unless I can be, I can be overruled, I mean, you know, <laughs> someone has a better idea, please let me know. But um, I was thinking we would maybe make a drawing and someone would go home with this. And the Lord, <coughs> if you know someone that just needs a little bit of sunshine in their life, it's just, it's sort of Pinterest. <laughs> but it's a sunshine box or a sunshine basket. So it's just full of all fun yellow things. So if someone was having a down day, maybe a little bit of brightening up, this was just a gesture of love. So anyway, so someone can go home with that. Um, also, I have crafts to do, little cards to make. So um, a lot of them are pre-done, but you get to pick colors and pick what stamps in. I've got a little bit of glitter glue, not not messy stuff. But just um, so we 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 made a few, and I can't wait to see what you guys come up with because we just really didn't know what we were doing at all. Um, and these are a sample that Miss Jeannie had. I have my friend here who's graciously letting us pull all of her buns. So we have paper cutters, all kinds of um, paper and little stamps and pens. So. Anyway, just something kind of simple if that was uh, something you wanted to do, care to do. And um, so we'll get set up on that table there, and then I'll pull another table here. So anyway, that, that's the directions for that. Everything else is kind of self-explanatory. As far as the cards go, the paper will be over there. <laughs> and then over here will be the like stamps and the markers and stuff like that. So Can I suggest we do the other round? Paper over there and stamps and markers over there. Or other oh, okay. So, because everybody won't have glitter and stuff on the floor? Uh, yeah, it's not really glitter. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. We're good. We, we can, but. Whatever you think, that's fine. I'll go with what you think. This might have a little bit more room, so I have two okay. tables. Yeah. Cool. Let's do that. Make more tables. All right. Thank you. And more coffee. Yeah, more of the tea. Can we turn the recorder off? Yeah. That's over there.